Good morning and welcome to your favorite Friday morning podcast, Conversations with Buddy, brought to you by The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. We give you the ability to connect each week with our guests because we believe people matter, you matter. We are grateful to all the listeners who take the time each week to hear the stories of our guests. Please help us grow the show by taking a moment right now and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Our purpose of this podcast is to impact the world one testimony at a time. So today, our guest is Gabriel Shields. Welcome back, Gabriel. Hey, good to be here. Yeah. Well, technically, today is Valentine's Day. It's, it's uh, yes, February it 14th. I uh, realized we didn't actually do our podcast last Friday. But you know what? I love Valentine's Day. I'm married to my wife. You're married to a lady. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, for me, and I don't know about you, but... I, I love Valentine's Day to just to, well, like I told you, I took my wife out for coffee this morning and uh, bought her some C's candy, which is really her favorite. Nice. How'd well you played. How'd you serve your wife this morning or today? Maybe you haven't done it yet, but not to put you on the spot, but how do you how how, how are you going to serve your wife today? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. So, um, yeah, so this morning because you know I had to drive up here. It was an earlier morning than what I left, but um, was a was definitely a thought. I woke up and immediately I was like, oh my gosh, it's Valentine's Day. I didn't even realize it. My uh my my calendar was was like, hey, be a good husband. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so I, you know, I try to make an effort to she really likes just little things like being acknowledged, uh being, you know, given a kiss on the cheek and telling her you know, how much I love her and things like that. I've been trying to, I didn't do it this morning. I probably will at some point today. I usually like to wake up and say, good morning, my beautiful bride, you know? And, uh, and so I didn't do it that this morning. I'm regretfully, but I did greet her and tell her happy Valentine's day. And, um, and then tried to really take, I know she made breakfast. So I tried to, which I was going to make breakfast, but she was like, I already have something planned. I was like, okay. (laughs) So I told her I wanted to do something special for her tonight. Um, and, uh, she that you know, so she's kind of looking forward to spending time with me. It's more about quality time, I think. Hmm. But yeah, I last you know just trying to always serve her every day, getting the kitchen straight, getting the house nice. She likes that, you know. So have you read the the five love languages before the book? Yes, we did that. So, yeah. So lear- learning to so- serve her in the way she likes to be served. Yes. Sounds like quality time is her. Quality time is both of ours. Okay. Um, and my mine, I got a zero on gifts. A zero. Right. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I'm kind of with you, man. Goose egg. Yeah. Um, I think her second one is, I think it's, I think actually we both align with that. I think it's words of affirmation. That may be, it's been so long since we did it that uh, mine, I think, is words of affirmation. Hers might be acts of service. I do try to do a lot of acts of service just generally because yeah, I feel yeah. like that's God's, you know, Jesus washing the feet and, Ooh. you know, just serving. Because I think if you can learn to serve your wife, that really gives you a mentality of how you should serve the church. And and I say that more broadly, not just as like the the, the institution of the church, but the, the, the people of God yeah. you know, that you come across. Like if you can love your wife, it will reflect how you should be serving other people. And so I think that's why he gives us that ministry and mm-hmm. how we want to look at that ministry is how we yeah. want to reflect on that. And we're going to dive in deeper on that, but I just want to go back and just uh, really encourage the listeners to go back and listen to your first podcast. It was really good. And I think that is going to continue for a long time. Just your story of how you grew up and stuff was really impactful and 
you remember the two ladies that sat in her yeah. last time, uh, Melissa Tippy and Amy Nelson? Yeah. They still talk about that. Really? Like it really impacted them. That's amazing. You know, hearing the gospel uh, from your perspective as a young kid and interesting, but but now we're moving forward because we're going we're gonna to unpack some more stuff. And yeah. I don't have everybody back on because not everybody wants to. Maybe not everybody has a, a desire or compelling story, but for you- I thought it was great. I think before we even left our last one, we said, hey, let's do this again. Yeah, we did. And so here we are. Yeah. And I look at that as a just a blessing. Yeah, Lord, that too. you want to continue to share the gospel, even though life's imperfect. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've had problems since the last time we met. No, everything has been smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah, yeah me, me too. <laughs> Those perfect. waters never get choppy ever, never. except for every day that ends in Y. Every day that ends <laughs> yeah. in Y. Amen, amen, mm-hmm. amen. So yeah, go back and listen to the previous episode before maybe you listen to this one here, just because you get to know who Gabriel is. It, it's not that we can't learn something from this one here, because we're going to dive in and you, you're talking right now about, you know, it's Valentine's day, mm-hmm. how you serve your wife. That matters a lot to me because as a man, that's not easy to do. It's easy sometimes to go out of our house and go serve the church, the people, whoever, and maybe not your wife. So unpack that a little bit. What's that been like? Um, and I know the last podcast un- unveils a lot, a lot of that, but really even since the last six months since we last met and had a podcast, where's the struggles been? Mm. Where have you had victory? Um, where's God taking you? Those are all really great questions. Um, I think, you know, a big part of my wife and I's journey, and I think it's so common for married couples and it doesn't get talked about a lot is 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 just how easy it is to be to to do that courtship and that romance before you're married and then suddenly you get married and you forget and I know our culture jokes about it even in the secular world there's movies about it and things like that but I think the reality is is that we and maybe this is a an issue culturally as men you know the almost trying to do everything we can to to win our wives. And then once we've got them, we don't know what to do with them, Ooh. right? So we don't really have the understanding of, of this isn't some victory that I've won. This is, you know, I think it, it's, it goes back to, and I forget what scripture it is, but it talks about edification, which means to build up. Hmm. So um, we were talking, and this, this doesn't just apply to our wives, but I think it's a really good start is, my pastor had posed the question, why is the ministry never done? And God sent this to me like, like I was a lightning rod. And I heard it very clearly. He said, the ministry's never done because ministry involves people and people are always breaking. So we have to be constantly trying to be doing the work of the ministry to repair and build. We're called to edify, to build up, and people are constantly breaking. And that includes our wives. We can easily be like, well, we did it. We're married. We're in matrimony. We get each other. We know each other's, you know, we're not afraid to fart in each other in front of each other anymore, yeah. you know, like, you know, so, so it's, it's all, everything's out there, but then you forget, wait though, that that's not intimacy. Intimacy is building her up. And so hmm. the challenges I think have just been, you know, I talked about this last, uh, last time quite a bit about, because it's such a big part of our, mar- our story about almost getting divorced. And I think a big part of that is giving my wife what I thought she needed. Ooh. And what I love is my wife was very clear one day, and I was talking about this yesterday with a friend of mine, actually. It's kind of funny because he just got married. And uh, 
she said, I need you to be the leader of the house. And I didn't know what she meant by that because I thought, well, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm going out and trying to get work. I'm, you know, working hard, doing, you know, taking care of the the bills and the kid and our son and the house. And, and she said, I need you to be the spiritual leader that reminds us to pray when things are hard. We need tires in the car. Let's pray. We, where's the next paycheck going to come from? Let's pray. Ooh, food's getting scarce in the cabinets. Let's pray. My heart is broken. Let's pray. I think that would be a big, that would be the number one uh, advice I'd give to any man is to pray with your wife. That would be like, because I think that just centers things. And that's been, I think, a big victory for us is I've gotten a lot better. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. It's not necessarily, unfortunately, my first response. Uh, a lot of times it takes a couple knocks to the ground before I'm like, oh, yeah, spiritual leader, got to pray. But I think that's a big one, real big one. Man, you nailed that one. I think I've been convicted on the same thing. And let me read a verse for you real sure. quick. Uh, this is uh, Ephesians, Ephesians, and so as, as men who are married, I need to go here more often. And I'm reading a book right now called The Meaning of Marriage, Timothy Keller. But he, he, the whole the whole book is based around this section. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Well, that's a head scratcher. Mm. And then it says, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Yeah. Like you, I mean, I think I'm guilty of, you know, not being consistent on praying. I, I pray, mm -hmm. but not always with my wife. And so something we do differently now is we hold each other, we pray, and we may only do it once a day, but we do that Yeah, almost every single day. It's made a big difference. And you mentioned praying. I read a book recently. Um, it's called Draw the Circle. Basically, it's 40 Days of Prayer. Highly recommend. I think I've heard of that. It's it's a very short read. Every day is like four pages. Kind of what prayer does. But if you look in, in the New Testament, you know, the disciples were trying to uh, heal people and they just couldn't figure it out. And, and they asked Jesus why they couldn't figure it out. And he said, by prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we we haphazardly pray or we haphazardly fast, but sometimes doing both of those together brings more uh, intention or attention to Jesus. Yeah. So for me, that's been a victory if I'm confessing because I'm not, I do fall way short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, But I love hearing that you're really intentional about that. So keep going, man. This is, this is really good. Yeah. I, I, it's, uh, it's something that just, it's, we wouldn't wake up and not feed ourselves. So why do we wake up and not feed ourselves? If you get what I mean, right? Yeah. We just, so often we just skip that spiritual, like our wives are like, I'm starving. starving. And we try to give them everything else other than what they need. Well, I think you said something too. You said, hey, you know, we get the girl, we, we win her heart mm -hmm. and then we don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Well, what did Jesus do? Like you said, he washed the disciples' feet. Yeah. He was a servant. And even Jesus, or I can't remember who said it, maybe it was Paul, Jesus came to, to serve and not be served. Not to be served, yeah. And so I think really what I hear you saying is do the dishes. 
serve your wife. Yeah. Take out the garbage, pay the bills, you know, be the spiritual leader, pray. Hey, got a problem. Pray. Things are going great. Pray. Pray continually. You know, like the, in First Thessalonians, I don't know if you know this passage very well, but you probably do. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 says, rejoice always. Yes. Okay. Always. 17 says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. And then 5.18 says, give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That summarizes a lot of the gospel, of, mm-hmm. of how we can live, live out that yes. Christian life. There's no magic to it. Just no. We got to be obedient to what God says. And not we're not trying to be a hero. That's not what our wives need. They don't need a hero. They need a man who yeah. loves Jesus and will pray for her every day and, uh, yeah. and serve her. Yeah. So thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's, I'm really glad that you brought that up. I think that's a big thing is when it comes down to it, you know, we tend to think that what men are is, you know, the provider, the, the protector. And I believe that that is a role that God has made us for. I mean, just from the very beginning in the garden, you know, Adam is given a job. Mm-hmm. He's given, I love that in the beginning of the garden, you first get an, af, it's very reflectant of Jesus's baptism and start of his ministry as you get an affirmation. This is my, you know, with Jesus, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Mm. What had Jesus done? You know, on in terms of like from a, from a worldly standpoint, what we would look at, he hadn't started doing miracles yet. Yeah. So God was affirming him and Adam got the same thing. Like, this is my creation. It's good. Right. And then he goes on to give uh, to give Adam a role and says, go and cultivate the land, go and put chaos into order. Oh, and by the way, it's not good that you're alone. Let me give you a helper to do it. A helper. Not right? a slave. Not a slave, right? You know, and, and there's, I mean, probably people have heard that before. You know, she came from his rib because she came from his side or over his heart. She was, you know, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't from his head to be a, a you know, his, you know, it wasn't a thought and it wasn't under his foot to be a slave. It was, she was in, in, in a lot of respects as equal, but very different, you know, the different roles. And so I think with men, you know, yes, it's good to provide and it's good to protect. But the reality is, is that you can't provide and protect unless going back to that Ephesians um, scripture that you talked about, yeah. the man must submit to God. He must submit to God because it's that, that role of really how beautiful you think of how when you actually how amazing it is when you think about how little control you have people oftentimes they go oh my gosh i have so little control that's so scary it's actually really great because imagine that you have to you had to remind your lungs to breathe your heart to beat your eyes to blink and then you're you also have to worry about your salvation oh and you have to worry about your wife's happiness and her salvation that's a lot no wonder our world is so ridden with anxiety yeah but instead think about this even our conversation right now our minds were created by a creator in such a way because he wanted us to have the type of mind that could conceive these thoughts and to seek him out and find him we weren't given, we, we didn't make these brains. He gave us these. Mm. He gave us these so that we would have the ability to, uh, to th- consider and, and rationalize 
We're a rational being. No other animal on the planet can rationalize in the way human beings can. And he and we see this in Genesis. Yeah. So if we have this ability to rationalize and, and discover God, God wants to be discovered. That's the first thing we have to understand is that the intimacy between us and God has to come first. Mm. If we look at our wives and we find our spouses, if you know, ladies for hearing this, right? If we're looking at our spouses and there's an intimacy problem between us and our spouse, it's always a reflection of the intimacy problem with you and your your creator, your father. Amen. If there's trust issues, you probably don't trust. Everybody says, well, the number one cause of divorce is money issues. No, it's not trusting God with your money. <laughs> Amen. I, I have a problem with that. It's yeah. always money. Yeah, from a secular standpoint, but I have money problems. Yeah. You do as well. I do too. Yeah. We all do. I don't care if you have a billion dollars or yeah. a dollar. We all have money problems. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't agree that money is the main source, but I think it's your lack of trust in God. It's lack of trust with God. It all stems from that. If you trust God, so we're supposed to be giving up our wives. And we look at that Ephesians again. Yeah. You know, it can be easily read like, oh my gosh, we've got to lay down our lives as Christ uh, for the church. Well, that's a big call. And yes, it is. Yeah. But it's not based on our own efforts. Um, It's kind of a weird thing to bring up in relation to this, and it may seem disconnected, but actually one of the scriptures I've really fallen in love with, and it was one that I think every Christian wrestles with and is scared of, but there's hidden beauty in it, is I want to say it's Matthew 7, 7 or Matthew 7, 14 or something. The one that, it's the really famous one that is, uh, Jesus says, depart from me. Hmm. Okay, depart from me, I never knew you. And every Christian has a moment where that just seizes their heart, like, but I'm, I'm, but how do I know? How do I know I'm not going to be in the kingdom before him? Notice what he says to them. What they're, what are their, what are the things they bring to him? Well, we cast out where we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did all these great things in your name. Works, works, works. I never knew you. I never asked you to work for your salvation. That's a heavy burden. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light because he did it. He's asking for a relationship with mm. you. And if a Christian can find that hidden beauty in that, that it's not about these people, the reason why they're, he says, I never knew you. He's like, you never, we never talked. We never spoke. It's like saying, oh man, I love my mom and you never call her. You know, you're, you're, everybody's had that, you know, moment where the mom's like, you never call me, call me. Why do you never call me? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how can you call her your mother if you don't honor her as your mother? How can you yeah. honor your wife if you don't honor her as your wife? If you're not speaking, if you're not having deep conversations, if you're not praying with her, if you're not doing the things, the work, same, but it all has to come first with God. And once it does, and I'll say this one last thing, kind of wrap this this uh, uh, wrap this wrap up here in, in terms of this piece, yeah. which is, I think that this is, it doesn't always go this way, but I think a lot of times men can can be, like, oh, my wife is always getting on to me this and this and my honeydew list this. And and what's interesting is they feel like they're overwhelmed and overburdened and they don't have time. And the irony is if they would actually take initiative to do those things in love and loving service to their wife, oftentimes that cools down. Their wives, a lot of times it's a, it's a displacement. You know, at first we don't really want to be mad at the person we're, we're in love with. Right? We don't want to be mad at our spouse or our parents or whoever it is. So we try to find something that's safe to be mad at. So we start blaming oh, their driving or the dishes are stacking up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what ends up, but the but you hear, oh, you know, why are you always doing this? Why are you always doing that? But they're trying to find a scapegoat to kind of give you an out, right? If you just fix this. But what it really is, is if you just give, if you just 
look me in the eye every now and again, acknowledge me and give me attention and love, a lot of times you actually find that you have more time. You have your honeydew list starts to shrink a bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, it's like, a, it's like a kid who's, you know, throwing a fit. Really what they want is attention. They want attention. And and our wives can do the same thing. Absolutely. And I, I recognized a long time ago, if I'm not enjoying a relationship, it's not my wife's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's actually my fault. Yeah. I don't always like to think that or hear that, but that's the fact yeah. as a spiritual leader. Yeah. There's a verse in First uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 7, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker. Now notice it doesn't say lesser, it just says somebody weaker. Yeah. Since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, and here's the key, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Yeah. Can you imagine praying to God, dear God, you know, whatever it is that you're desiring and you haven't honored yeah. the one he gave you. Yeah. And I love the word honored because, you know, this is what the, the enemy does and even did it with Jesus would take a scripture out of context. You know, oh, you know, uh, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Nope. That's not what it says. It says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Uh -huh. Try to resist him without submitting to God. Good luck to you. Good You're going to get beat around. Same thing with this, the weaker vessel, right? Mm -hmm. And people will get up in arms and you'll, you'll have people march in the street. Oh my gosh, look, the Bible, you know, puts the, the women underfoot. It says, uh, let's look again. It says, honor her. Look at Ephesians. It says, love your wives as Christ loved the church that he, he would give his life for her yeah. and wash her continuously with the words. There should be a holy and blemish, uh, holy and blameless sacrifice without blemish, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think I paraphrase there a bit, yeah. but but that's a <clears throat> ladies, <laughs> right? Like that's a that's nice. Like that's you know, and and I I it's I say that in terms of what how difficult it is as a man to 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 live up to that to do that. Yeah. And not that it's impossible, it's impossible apart from Christ, but the fact that it is a challenge and mm. men love a challenge, right? But in a good way, yeah. it's not a, hey, let's see how we can manipulate our wives. It's let's see how we can build up our wives to put them in the, the to, to be able to fit the design and the call that they were made for. God made them for this amazing, beautiful, wonderful design that only women can be and provide and your role as a man is to make certain that that is what you allow them to become. Man, right? Look at Jesus with the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, yeah. right? It's interesting too, You in, in, not to get too far off topic here, but- well, there, There's no such thing. Keep going, man. <laughs> it's really cool to see how, you know, scripturally how there was such a liberation for women, right? Who did he announce his messiahship to? A woman. Who discovered his tomb was empty? Women. And back then, women weren't seen as reliable sources of, uh, of testimony. Right. So why did Jesus do it? Well, first of all, I think because it allows it to historically be affirmed that this is real. Yeah. But I think another thing is, is that he wanted to be able to lift women up and show us how he could do that. Yeah. Notice what he does with the Samaritan woman. I love this story because she wants to talk about everything but the issue. Yeah. She wants to talk about religion. She wants to talk about gender roles. She wants to talk about racial tension. She wants to talk about, you know, she's like, you're a Jewish man and and why are you talking to me? And then it's, well, okay, fine. You know, 
but what about the mountain? You know, what about I'm a Samaritan? You're a Jew. We've been at odds forever. Let's talk about religion, right? Let's talk about our religious uh, liturgical structure here. And Jesus is like, we can go down this road if you want, but this is not... (laughs) This is not going to help you. So finally, he gets right to the heart of the matter and says, I see you. I see you. And I'm still here for you. I still came despite the fact that you've had many husbands. He doesn't condemn her, but he doesn't condone it. He just simply shows her, I know you. I see you. And that's what I'm here for. That's why I'm at this well today. I came for you. I I love that even before that, he tells his disciples, I have to go through Samaria. Samaria was out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Samaria was way out of the way, yeah. you know? So why did he have, so when, when we look at it, it's like sometimes what our wives are calling us for may feel like it's out of the way, Ooh. but it's not. That's interesting. It's not out of the way. It is absolutely the direct course. Our children, our, our wives, the people that God is calling us to love, you know, and love in, that could be a whole other thing, you know, how our culture has gotten away from that love. I love 1 Corinthians 13 and how it defines that. Because if love is an emotion, I talked to my youth about this the other day. I said, would you want somebody to fall out of love with you? Of course, no hands go up. Nobody's excited about that prospect. But it happens all the time, doesn't it? As far as the world is concerned. So we go through Corinthians 13. It's long suffering, suffers long and is kind. And those are grouped together. It's not long suffering, comma, and is kind. It's long suffering and kind. You can be long suffering and groan and moan and be a royal pain. So, and that's the only thing. And then it goes on to list everything love isn't until it says that it bears all things, endures all things, hopes all things. Who wouldn't want to love like that? But if we're giving the emotional love or the feeling love and not that love, our wives are going to run dry. They're not going to get what they need because we're not filling them. We're not serving them. When things get hard, we suffer long with them. And that means prayer sometimes, long suffering, long standing prayer for miracles when things just, when it's been years and the money hasn't come or the cancer diagnosis hasn't gone away or whatever it is, but the sustaining power of the Lord in that long suffering is the love that we're supposed to be giving. Amen. I sent my wife a text before she got up this morning just to, you know, it's Valentine's Day, so I wanted her to know I love her. And I, in the way I said, I do love you emotionally. I mm-hmm. I emotionally love you, but more than that, I love you the way God has called me to love you, which was uh, agape love, which is unconditional yeah. love. Um, phileo, which is a brotherly or family love. Yeah. And then an eros love, which is a romantic love. Yeah. And so that's that's what I gave her this morning. And what, what helps me to remember to love my wife as Christ loved the church is hanging out with guys like you. Yeah. Because here's what Proverbs uh, 18 says, 18.1. This is what I love to share with guys because guys love to isolate, number one. Yeah. That's our go-to. That's our default. It's like in the default settings. Well, because <laughs> if, if I isolate, then I don't have to change. Yeah. If yeah. I can hide. If I don't isolate, then iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another man. Mm-hmm. That's Proverbs 27, 17. Some sparks but need to fly. Sparks need to fly. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. Mm. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Mm. Me left to my own devices, that's me, is self-justifying me. I'm good. I got it all figured out. It's her fault, not mine. But when I hang around guys, when I show up at Bible study, I'm convicted and I'm held accountable 
because I hear guys asking hard questions. Yeah. And one, you know, and really the, the part of the reason why I like doing this podcast with guys is because it's really the whole idea of marriage. It is a, a woman and a man that come together. But I believe if, if a man will surrender his life to Christ and serve his wife 100%, I honestly don't think there's a problem there. It's when we become selfish and isolate and live our own life. And so I often challenge men to read Proverbs chapter 7. Mm. Read it yourself. Go home and read it to your spouse. Mm. And I would challenge every guy that's listening, that. every woman that's listening, get your husband to read this to you out loud. And just be transparent with the challenges of the world because it's out there. Satan would love to kill and steal and yeah. destroy your marriage. And he's doing a really good job at it. Yeah. And he's been simply, trying to do it from the beginning. That's been the, his go-to. From the very, very Kill beginning. the marriage. And it's yeah. like going after the general in a, a battle. If you can get the general, yeah. then you can kind of, in some ways, win the war. Yep. Because all the troops scatter. They have no direction. Right. So he goes after our marriages, but he usually goes after first our identities in that marriage with God. Like, is God good? Then he attacks our identities and then he and then it unfrails. Yeah. I, but I love what you said about um, – because that is a big one that took me a long time to learn is the fellowship of other men in your lives are just as important. You know, there's that, there's that saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. I think there's, it takes a village to raise a marriage. Ooh. And and I think That's that – a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I I really believe that. I mean, I think there's a reality to it that, you know, men can offer things to other men that women can't and women can offer things to men that other men can't and they have both have that role. And you talked about the sharpening and I think there's a sharpening that's done between men that they iron to iron men sharpen each other. Yeah. Um and I think women kind of soften it a little bit or or at least allow it to give it direction on where it should swing. You know, if we're sharpening a sword, I think women are really, really good at because they are different social beings. And I've noticed this about my wife, how much clarity, sometimes I kind of jokingly call her my little prophetess because she can just like hit me with something that I'm like, only she can do. Mm. Only she can say and makes me realize like, Oh man, I'm I'm ready to go out swinging, even for good, right? I'm gonna want to go out there and mentor the guys and talk to the youth and do these things. And my wife is like, "Steady, boy, easy, easy," you know, because she understands that it's like if we've ever watched any of those like you know movies where I think there's like this really great scene in Braveheart. I love Braveheart. Man. I do too. Where the Uncle Argyle comes and he takes him away and he says, when am I going to get to learn the sword? And he says, first learn to use this. You can't see me. I'm pointing to my head and then learn to use this, his heart. Yeah. And then I'll show you how to use this. And I think in some ways that's why God gave us women because women help us to understand the inner workings of those pieces and men have a different way of sharpening those things. So we go out and we're like, I'm ready to go conquer for the kingdom of God. And women are, have a way of being able to help us to understand the social dynamics yeah. so that we can be more effective in how we swing our sword. Well, we yeah, we're, we're guys. We pack swords and yeah, guns we and weapons. Yeah. And we're going we're we're gonna to destroy. Smack some heads. And, <laughs> yeah. and our wives are like, easy, does easy. it. And you know what? Our wives know us better than we know ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Come to that right now. Whoever's listening is your wife, your spouse knows you better than you know yourself. Stop trying to think you know all things you don't. Mm. Um it's taken yeah. me a very long time to admit that or even think that, but my wife is wise beyond her means, and 
it's humbling, and it's taken me a really long time to really just trust that she's got my best interest at heart. And surrendering uh, to the way God uses my wife in my life, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. And prayer, obviously, yeah. softens my heart and, and allow her, she can ask me, because before, you know, in the past, she could ask a question and I could become defensive. Yep. How dare you, mm-hmm. you know? But and, her motivation for asking is not yeah, it's to a, break you. I, Right. It's to build you. It's to, right there. It's not to yeah. break you, it's to build you. But yet, it doesn't feel that way sometimes. But that's just that pride, that ego that we as men pack around. Yeah. But if we'll just set that aside, just go, you know what? Surrender. And you said long-suffering and kindness, which is really the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering. Yeah. I love the fruit of the Spirit, man. Fruit of Spirit. But I think the word patience, somewhere... Patience and kindness is packed somewhere in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. I know it starts with love. Yeah. And it ends with self-control. From that. But right in the middle is that patience and kindness. Yeah. It's the kindness of God that draws you to repentance. Yeah. You know, and people people want us to be kind. Yeah. If you're going to preach the gospel, do it with love yeah. and kindness. But if you do it with kindness without long suffering, that's ineffective too. There's okay. a lot of kind people out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of really well-motivated in terms of from a cultural standpoint, some of the things that we might disagree with, I can step back and go, well, I, they're, they're doing this for what they believe in. Yeah. I may not agree with it, but they're doing it for what they believe in. The problem is they just don't have truth to refine that, which brings the long suffering and the kindness into play, those fruits of the spirit. Something you said earlier, though, that made me think of a couple things. One of them is that you said our wives see us better than we do. And I I just thought of this, this, you know, you've never seen yourself without a reflection, without a mirror. That's right. Never. I don't know what I look like right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I remember- You're a good looking guy, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So are you. (laughs) Yeah. See, and we have to tell each other, right? Yeah, you look good, man. Thank you. Uh, But I, I, I had to look at myself in the mirror this morning and I've already forgotten my own, my own reflection. Yep. Sounds like a book of James. Yeah. Ironically, the interesting thing about that is that even our reflection is an inverse. It's not the real thing, but I can see you better than you can see yourself in your that's reflection. Right. Right. Our wives see us better than we see ourselves. And I think that's the first part is that our wives are that reflectant surface that allows us to say, this is what you're doing, sweetie. This is where you're going. Do you not see this? Like we might want to be like, I want to brush my hair to the right. And when we look in the mirror, we're doing it the opposite, right? right. We, have to, we have to do the opposite motion, yeah. but our wives can do, can, can inform us of things that we don't see. Um, and the other one, I think the train left the station. I can't remember what it was. I well, lost back, that train so of thought. So back to the reflective though, real quick. So really when our wives are maybe calling us out or something, they're only reflecting our own behavior. Yes. We may not like to hear mm-hmm. that, Yes, but that's the fact. And yeah. that I can, I can be defensive on that. Yeah. So man, this is, this is awesome really to unpack marriage, but my prayer and goal of this podcast and talking to guys like you and hanging out with guys in Bible study is to keep marriages together. Cause every day I hear 100%. of a new, a new marriage going through divorce and that's a travesty. It's, mm-hmm. it's horrible. I, I realize it happens and not blaming anybody, but I think men need to show up more. I agree. 100%. And I think a lot of men are confused that they think their wife needs to show up and I really think if, if the guys would actually show up completely, the wives would show up completely. Yeah. But they don't show up completely until we show up. It's 
We have to show up as men. Yeah, the scripture, the the scriptures we've read has a bigger call to the men than it does to the women. Yeah. Women, it's like, hey, you know, submit to your husband as the head of the household. But men, you better you better own that. You bet and let me show you. Let me show you what that looks like. And it's a long paragraph of love your, you know, love your wives as Christ, love the church, lay down your life. I a hundred percent agree. I think that the biggest thing I'm seeing, I think really comes down to to that men have have found it easier to give up. You talked about the isolation. I think that they're afraid to have the light exposed. People love the darkness, it says. Yeah. You know, I think men have kind of fallen in love with the darkness. It's easier to indulge in that darkness than ever yeah. before. Yeah. And I think a lot of that also would be, like you said, repaired if the men would step up. But I think a lot of it comes down to our culture has lost sight of what love is. Hmm. But I actually think that that's because at the front end of it, it's because of marriages have decayed. I think that ironically, when you, I think this is what it looks like, the timeline, is that how we got here was not – we're at the end. We're kind of at the, the latter cars in the train. The front of the car of the train was that the institution – look at Jesus. He says the institution of his church it looks like a marriage. He's yeah. the groom and this is the bride. Yeah. And he's saying that this is how I love and serve my my bride. Well, church attendance is down. And people don't believe in it nearly as much anymore. Well, marriages have decayed, right? 50% of all marriages, and actually that number is skewed and it should be higher because the when you look at that, it's 50% of first marriage, or excuse me, 50% of marriages when they take the full um, uh, an anal analysis. Okay. Because second and third marriages tend to last more likely than first marriages, which means that first marriages actually uh, decay at a higher rate than 50% if you because you have to t take that average. So that means that almost everyone that you know that's getting married, one out of two of them, probably higher than that, is going to get divorced. Well, if Jesus is saying my church is my bride and we're looking at the way that men treat their brides, they just cast them aside because they're, I'm out of love. I don't feel like it. Hmm. Well, okay, nobody is going to look at how that decays our identity and, and how we look at God as a father. And then fathers leave the home and people tend to impose their heavenly father's behavior on their earthly father. Well, my father was absent, so I'm not sure that what God is hearing my prayers. Look at how that decay happens. So then we forget what love is because love is all the things we've talked about, these serviceable things, but we're not seeing it played out. So now people are trying to redefine love as I would expect them to. Right? I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm saying I, I understand it. And then as the church, our reaction is to attack and get defensive mm. and the same defensiveness. And we should be instead, if we look at our, our wives, you talked about, you know, we get defensive, but when we're not getting defensive, we get offensive with our wives. And what I mean by that is we partner with them as a helper to go out and build something great mm. for the kingdom of God. We go and we become on the same team. We're not fighting against them as an opposing army. Right. We're fighting alongside of them as a soldier in battle yeah. and they have their place, you know, they and we have our place and we have these different roles and they can work amazingly together and God made it and designed it that way. But when you fragment that, when you have this large schism, Look what's happened to our culture. It's because of marriage decay. Marriage decay leads to to uh, a doubt in God's goodness, it, uh, which in turn leads to a lack in trust in the institution of the church because the institution of the church and the institution of marriage are very similar. Yeah. 
And then everything else spawns out of that. If Well, you have a fatherless generation of kids lost and wondering, why doesn't anybody love me? Why is there no commitment to me? You know, love is a fairy tale. Maybe they want love to be real. But if love is supposed to be a commitment, it's supposed to be long-suffering, kind, they're not seeing that, then love now needs to be redefined without the commitment part. And we define it in all sorts of egregious ways. And I, I, I feel so bad for our culture. Yeah. Instead of condemning them, if Jesus came back today, the first thing that he would be doing would be trying to get people to understand, whoa, 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 whoa. These people are hungry, starving for love. Yeah. And you have broken every institution of what love should look like. Let's mm. start with you guys. Yeah. Let's start by mending that. And it'll. I think that it would fix itself. If you tomorrow, every man stepped up and said, I'm staying with my wife through thick and thin, those vows, what are they? The, the vows are for better or worse, rich and rich or poor sickness and health yep. if every man made that commitment part. and yep. to death to us part right can't forget that part if every man did that with their wives you know next 20 years you know next two generations yeah. or i guess it'd be maybe more longer than that but maybe tw let's just say 20 years yeah i think we'd be seeing a dramatically different thankful culture Gra grateful yeah. we've lost that i think we've made Marriage an option, like, oh, marriage, yeah. and then, gosh, it's just you know, something we can do. I, I'm just kind of out of love now. I'm going to go, yep. and, I'm gonna go, and throw, go ahead and go through a divorce. But but why did, why did we forget those vows, you know, better or worse, rich or poor, sickness and health? Because you said money is what is the leading factor of divorce, rich or poor. Yeah. We've already addressed that up front. Yeah. Did we forget what we agreed to under God in front of people yeah. bound by uh, a ring that is uh, no end, no end, no beginning, no end, no beginning, no end. Yeah. How did we forget that? Why did we cave on that? And then, I, you know, the verse is interesting. I, I talked a little bit about uh, someone unpacked this a little bit different. Husbands love your wives. Women respect your husbands. Yeah. And uh, you know, because for us, respect is love. <laughs> yeah, respect is love, but. <laughs> And, just respect me and I'll feel loved. <laughs> just a little side note is if, if a woman marries an un, uh, a, a man who's not a believer, she's still called to respect him mm -hmm. whether he shows her love or not, yeah. which is interesting because how else would he come to know the truth unless she lives out scripture? I feel like that's my wife's journey. I mean, I was a believer, air quotes, I don't you know, but the fact that she went through her prayer closet was like, I'm going to pray for this man yeah. because I married him. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it changed me. I mean, I didn't even know half of the things. Um, and actually what's interesting is I re did remember the other thing that was earlier. Okay, good. Uh, was, um, it was actually from Stormy Martian's book. So I got the praying husband one, um, which I, I was a little nervous about because I was like, okay, a woman writing to men. But she got so much m insight from men, which I was very gra grateful that she did. Okay. And um, so I, I actually still would recommend it. One of the things I really love, she had this insight. I think it was in this book. She said – why is it that in 1 Corinthians, love is the greatest of, of between hope and faith? She said, because it's the only one you'll need in heaven. It's eternal. Yeah. Faith, you don't need except for on this side. Hope, you don't need on, this, on any right. side of this side. But love, you do. And w it's interesting that, uh, you know, as you've brought up, that that's, you know, that's the first part that we've just made an option. Mm -hmm. We've made love an option. And it's, it's, it's sad. Yeah. Uh, it's not an option. <laughs> if we did things that made us feel good all the time, then, well, you're not going to be married. And I think that your those vows also are, I think it's a it's easier. 
I don't think I think because we have a social stigma, like if you got cancer and your wife decided to leave, she would probably look like a jerk. So it, I think sometimes it's easier to commit to that vow, even if it's not actually true love. See, this is the thing about God sees the heart, not necessarily the output. Mm-hmm. This, you know, it's even if somebody stays with somebody because they've gotten sick, that doesn't mean it's love. That may just could be that I just don't want the social stigma or I feel like I have to. But money is one that and better or worse is easy, but usually that money is the thing that they can say, well, things got worse because of the money. Yeah. People can point to things as an excuse to get out. Absolutely. But the reality is, is that this is, I think, also what's made it a little harder for men in some ways. And I, men, if you're hearing, you know, listen to this, that you are not your the amount of your bank account. You are well, not- thank God, right? <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah. Your measure, your value is not measured in your bank account, your success. Guess what is never written on a tombstone? It's never a figure. It's not your political affiliation. You know, it's not your it's not your status, it's not your job title, it's none of that. And God has given you now, it is Christ in you that's doing this work. I mean that's important to front load, but no, you can't call a plumber to fix your marriage. You can call any if you're like, I gotta fix the plumbing. Well, great, you can do that. And if you're broke and you feel like you can't afford a plumber, you can do that. But guess what? There's another man you can hire to do that job. You can't hire anyone else to come in and fix your marriage. Only you can do that. Now it's Christ in you. Yeah. But the reality is, is that God made you and designed you for this marriage. You and that means that God obviously sees something good in his creation. Now we may not be good. We may be fallen sinners, but our creation by God is good. And he made you for good works and those good works. And you are the one that he called into this marriage for that woman that you're with. So know that God is even rooting for you. That's where your identity Mm. should be rooted. That's where the intimacy starts is, is how does God view me? Because if I'm looking at my bank account and that's the view of my marriage, you're going to get divorced. It's, it's going to happen every time. Yep. If you're looking at, and it doesn't matter. I mean, look, it, money obviously is not, having money doesn't fix it because billionaires get divorced at higher rates. Commit suicide. Commit whatever. suicide. Yeah. You know, look at Hollywood. Those people never stay married. Never. And they've got everything in the world they could ever want. More money than they know what to do with. More money than they know what to do with. That, and, and that also goes to status. They are worshipped. They are worshipped and they still get divorced. So it's not status. Political affiliation, well, I don't have the metrics on that, but I would probably say that doesn't matter, right? I mean, people get divorced on the left and on the right. It doesn't matter, you know? So what is it? It's our identity in Christ. Hmm. That's where it starts. And if Christ was will- loved you so much that he couldn't imagine a heaven without you, that he was willing to die on a cross just to make sure that he didn't have to spend his eternity without you, then that means that there's something that's worth in you that doesn't include any of those things. So f- bring that in your marriage. Bring the cross into your marriage, the blood of Jesus in your marriage. If this guy, this amazing savior of mine who bankrupt heaven, who I'm, honestly, could you imagine being in the most comfortable chair with a game on or whatever it is that guys you're into and suddenly somebody says to you, your son or daughter, the only way they're going to get to home, you got to get up out of your comfortable. I mean, the the, the temperature is perfect. Yeah. The, 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 the thermostat is just right. The food is perfect. Everything is perfect. But the only way that your kids are going to be able to come home, you got to lay down your life for them. Hmm. I, I imagine that most everyone listening wouldn't even think about it. Not even twice. But Jesus did that. And, and it's still even we would find that difficult. Jesus did it. Jesus did it for us. 
for even the ones like now now let's take that same scenario you're going to do it for the neighbor kid down the street that bullies your kids that egged your house that killed your cat you know whatever it is there's just undeserving child you're not going to get out of your comfortable chair now are you but jesus did jesus did for you and you're that kid down the street it was us that put him on the cross it's us that put him on the cross but it's also him that puts us in our marriages yeah. and he's going to keep us there if we would just partner with him what i hear you saying is if our identity is not in christ and it's somewhere else and typically for men listen up guys yeah it's in our work typically it is for me yep. I find a lot of joy in working, and it causes problems uh, less than it used to. But my, I remember back in 2020, I took 40 days off work. I call it my 40 days in the wilderness. <laughs> my daughter was getting married in mid-July, so I talk, took from July 1st to mid-August off. It might have been 45 days or 20, 35 days. Who knows? I call it 40 days in the in the wilderness. What I realized during that time, I was addicted to my work. Mm -hmm. And after that, I realized the danger that I'd put myself in. I hadn't even seen it. My wife could see it, but I had no idea. Yeah. And when I finally came after 40 days, it's like I got off of, you know, a drug. Like a, yeah, like heroin or something. Heroin. Yeah. Because I remember my first day, I was like- you need it. I needed it. I need it. It's me. It's part and of my once, identity. Once, once I got cleared away and my identity was actually restored back to where it needed to be, I'm not saying life's perfect, but I'll tell you this. It's a whole lot better. Yeah. Because of my identity is now rooted in rooted, yeah. Jesus. So Yeah. Hey, let's good. let's do this real quick. I want to sure. uh we could probably go for another hour. <laughs> we could. I, this is great, by the way. This is, I mean, we're probably 45, 50 minutes in. But I want to talk a little bit about your book. Okay. So we talked last time, uh, unpack your book. I don't know if it was fully published back then. No, it was in the works. But now it's fully done. It's all out there. You have, let's unpack, tell us a little bit about your book. You and your wife wrote it together. Yes. What is it? And how do people get a hold of it? What would we use it for? Yeah. Go. So I think the idea, so the book is called The Knighting of Sir Sticky Von Bear. And it's a children's book and it's designed for kids three and up, probably better for, you know, kindergartner to second grade. But it, it could still work for a three-year-old depending yep. on their attention span and all that. But for my wife and I, we just <laughs> – it's actually funny because we've been it's, – it's great that we've been doing it, this podcast, because ironically, my wife oftentimes – I don't know if I should tell people this because they're going to read it and be like, oh. Uh, she's oftentimes like, you're sticky bear. She's talking to me. Yeah. Um, the actual – idea originally just came from I sing little silly songs to my son, you know, yeah. you know, when they're little, you got to get them, you know, you got a potty song and you got a, you know, you got a bedtime song, you got a song for everything, you man. got a song for everything. Yeah. And it just, it just worked out that way. And so the song did end up making it into the book. Um, and it wasn't ever going to be anything. I just, I started singing the song and then my wife and I started talking. I was like, well, wouldn't this be a cute if it just had like a little adventure tale behind it? And so we had this idea that, um, for us, we just want to get the gospel out. And the gospel, there seems to be a drought. And especially, the, you know, kids are so impressionable. Hmm. And we wanted to give them good content. And so our idea here was uh, that there's this little bear and he's seeking to make a great name for himself. So I think men will relate to Sticky Bear maybe more than women will, ironically. Uh -huh. So he goes through and he goes through these kingdoms and he, 
He's trying to figure out how to become this great knight. Yeah. Because if I can become a knight, then I will be someone. Because everybody's making fun of him because he's got this sticky condition. You're a sticky bear. Oh, you're a sticky bear. It's kind of like Rudolph, right? Yeah. You're a nobody. You're just a sticky bear. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll show you. I'll prove that I'm not a sticky bear. I'll make myself a knight. So he sets out on these kingdoms and he goes out on these quests. And even though he succeeds at his quests, he comes back and it doesn't undo his stickiness. Hmm. But he's been neglecting this one little uh, cottage along the way that's been calling to him. This little humble cottage. Come, come, sticky. He ignores it. I needed the grand places. I need the knowledge. I need the riches. I need the, uh, I need the beauty. I need the things that are going to make me great. And ultimately, you know, by the end of the story, he finds that those things never could fix him. And this guy at this cottage, I won't give it away, but has something to offer that just might. And uh, and we'll leave it there. But um, I want to read it. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, and I, I brought a copy to show you as well. Yeah. So, okay. Um, it's it for us. The, it's really the story of uh, a sinner coming to grace. But the reality is, we tend to look for all these things to fill us in the world, yeah. not realizing they never will. They can't measure up. Um, there's this line toward the end, and I will I will spoil this part for people. It's it's a children's book, so I feel like it's a little easier to spoil. Um, and that Sticky finally says, "I am now convinced that all the riches in the world cannot, you know." fix my stickiness all the wisdom in the world cannot understand my stickiness and all the beauty in the world can't cover it up and i i think that's the reality is like we are broken we are little sticky sinner that mm. and we try to make ourselves great and we think all these things are going to fix it and at the end of the day like if we chase those as the rest of our lives we're going to come up short yeah we're going to come up in the same condition we were left maybe actually worse actually the longer you go on that condition the worse it gets yeah and so for us, we wanted kids to be able to get an early sample of the gospel message. Um, there's a little uh, letter in the back. It says, hello, brave knight. And it's written to the kids and parents about just simply what the book's about and what the gospel message is and you know, explaining it as a party, something that kids could understand really on their mm -hmm. level. Like if you went to a party and your friends thought bad about you, would you want them to stay? You know, well, we've all done that. So. Yeah. So what do we do? And it just talks about Jesus. And and we want to get kids to understand that, you know, Jesus is Jesus loves them. Yeah. And they will chase all sorts of false armor their entire lives and they will circumvent the real armor of God that God loves them. And it's already there for them. And you don't have to chase it. You can you're gonna get away from it if you chase it. Um and so yeah, it's it's uh it was a long long process to do. It took a lot of prayerful consideration. We are not ones that want to, like even it was supposed to come out during Christmas and we believe that the quality was more important than the deadline. Yeah. For us, it's all about quality. And I don't just mean that in terms of the way that it looks, although sure. I will got to give a huge shout out to my illustrator, Zamir Walker. She's incredible um, and she's going places yeah. and she deserves every shout out she can get. Awesome. Um, but at the same time, you know, the beauty of the book is trying to get to that simplicity for children and doing it with my wife was really, I think, super special because really it was meaningful. really recounting a lot of what we've been through, you know, and I didn't realize there was so much of, you know, talking about quality, you don't want to dumb things down or just talk down to kids. Oh, they're kids. They just give them our leftovers. We want this to be a good, deep story that they could understand on their level. Um, but it's interesting because I can I, I feel like God helped us achieve that when my wife goes and looks at us and every now and again, you know, I'll do something and she'll say, 
just like sticky bear, you know? Oh. Like to imagine, you know, your wife referencing a children's book, you know, to so I, I think that that made me feel really good. And um it's on our website, narrabbit.com, N-A-R-Rabbit.com. That's okay. a, trying to launch a publishing. But you can also get it wherever books are sold. Yeah. I mean, it's in Walmart and and Barnes and Noble and that Amazon. That's so cool. I'm gonna take a picture of it. We'll put it on the yeah. the site and uh, the yeah, just so people can have access to it. I want to read it. Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds like a really cool book. You know, a lot of people, yeah, they think they need to get cleaned up to come to a saving faith, which is not true. You come as you are. Yeah. But then there's also little different view is like, I'm just not worthy, so I'm not going to try. Yes. And I have, yes. A, I have a really good friend that would be in that camp where he, I think he actually believes the gospel. It's true. Just not for him. Oh, that sounds like my last podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, and it wasn't referencing you per se, but probably was in there. Uh, I'd forgotten about, but yeah, you know, but you know what? You know what? The only answer is pray. Exactly. Keep praying. Keep praying for those people that are rejecting the gospel, that don't believe they're good enough. We're not. Yeah. Which is why Jesus had to come and die. Yeah. Yeah. I think that your buddy that, yeah, definitely that, that one part that- I talked about in the last podcast would really hopefully resonate with him. It's not good people that get to heaven. It's forgiven people. You know, yeah. I was doing, I was a Christian for a long time and I didn't get that. I, everybody else but me. I think that's a good point you bring up. How, how many else. good people make it to heaven? I like, I remember that. And yeah. Zero. <laughs> zero good people, only forgiven. forgiven people. I, I use that after you and I did that podcast. I kept using that for a while. I'd already forgotten about it, but yeah. thanks for the reminder, but... Well, let's wrap up, man. Yeah. Gabriel, this has really been fantastic. Just to kind of go deeper. You know, we can do surface level for the first podcast, but man, we can go really deep on some scripture, where our hearts are at, how we're loving our wives, what we need to do to serve our wives and, and love them as Christ loved the church. And what does that mean? To, yeah. You know, Jesus came to serve and not be served. I, as a guy, I want to be served. Yeah. But Same. you know what? The true joy comes when I actually serve my wife. Yes, it does. And so God's teaching me every day mm -hmm. how to serve her better. And You get served by serving. People don't realize that. Oh, yeah. It takes some time to see it. But when the, sm the smoke and fog clear, you yeah. serve more and then you'll find that that's where the true life begins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's been amazing. Well, Gabriel, maybe six more months down the road, we'll do this again. <laughs> just to unpack some more stuff yeah. that's in our heart. This doesn't get old. No. It really doesn't. And I, we're going to do this in heaven, I imagine, forever. Hey. <laughs> I'm like looking forward to that. Like yeah. just conversations with Buddy and Jesus. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you for being a part of our podcast this thank week you. and uh, just sharing where you're at and what God's doing in your life, the book that you guys wrote, you and your wife. And uh, it's encouraging to me because you guys were in a dark spot yeah. and God redeemed you. Yeah. And he's redeeming you every day, by the way, right? Every day. Every day, every day. And me too and my wife. So... Well, thank you all for listening this week with uh, Gabriel and and our, our just our conversation. I uh, hope you come back next week and and uh, keep listening. So, thanks again. Have a great week. Happy Valentine's Day, and uh, make it a good one. Thank you all for taking the time each week to be encouraged, challenged, and loved. Remember what Jesus said: "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." My hope and prayer is that you believe the words of Jesus. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.